It's supposed to be the offseason. It's supposed to be the time where DeMichael Cole can finally get some rest, where I can do my other seven jobs that I have in peace and not have to worry about Dylan Brooks for one second. Just one second, Shams. Why can't you give me that? Just for one time, I need to sleep. I need to rest. Why can't I not talk about Dylan Brooks for one day? We're doing this next on Locked on Grizzlies. Lock in, please. You are Locked on Grizzlies. Your daily Memphis Grizzlies podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Breathe, Joe. Breathe. Breathe. I'm doing my breathing exercises. Calm down. Doing my breathing calm down. exercises. I've I've calmed down during the intro. I'm sorry for that. You guys know at this point, I lose it sometimes. I'm I'm back. I'm good. I'm better now. Uh, welcome to Lockdown Grizzlies. This is a Wednesday edition where we were supposed to just be talking about injuries, but obviously Dylan Brooks and Shams of the Athletic had uh, other thoughts, and we'll get into those thoughts here momentarily. Not just from myself, of course, but from my wonderful co-host, Michael Cole, there of the Commercial Appeal there in Memphis, Tennessee. He's the Grizzlies beat writer. I'm a Grizzlies columnist for Bluff City Media. I was going to talk about a path to the 2024 NBA Finals in that piece. Throw that out the window. Thanks a lot, Dylan Brooks. <laughs> Breathing exercise. Woosa. Calm down. This episode of Lockdown Grizzlies is brought to you by eBay Motors. A championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. Same with your vehicle. So for parts that fit, head to eBay Motors and look for the green check. Stay in the game with eBay Guaranteed Fit. eBayMotors.com. Let's ride. eBay Guaranteed Fit. Only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode of Lockdown Grizzlies, like every episode of Lockdown Grizzlies, is brought to you as a proud member of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team each and every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. You can also check us out on YouTube. Like, comment, rate, review, subscribe. Tuesday was another strong day for us over on YouTube, and it is much appreciated. Let's keep that energy going. Let's keep folks around. Hopefully, I didn't scare you off with my freak out there at the start of the show. To Michael Cole, we're going to dive right in if that's okay with yeah. you. Because you had a, a little bit of a viral piece over at the Commercial Appeal. Good for you there, buddy, on social media, talking about this Dylan Brooks craziness. Um, this kind of came out of left field. It smells, and, and I don't have any inside information. You're not divulging any inf inside information here. It smells like something an agent would do. But as we were talking a little bit before the show to Michael, this is kind of, and, and you said it, this is kind of a lose-lose situation. The Grizzlies lose some leverage in a sign-and-trade. And if the Grizzlies have just unequivocally said they're not bringing him back, why in the world would an NBA team say, you know what, 17 mil for Dylan Brooks when his previous team wants nothing to do with him? Sign me up. Yeah. Uh, Joe, you, you you mentioned something earlier. You said I wasn't giving off any inside information. But you're not going to remember this maybe. But in Ooh. yesterday's show, Ooh. I kind of hinted. I said I have a Dylan Brooks piece coming. That's true. Uh, on, on tomorrow, I, I, was, I was throwing the – on the alley up there and 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 the story was pretty much already done uh when mm. the news dropped uh at the end of the day what my story said was uh dylan brooks wants a role that the memphis grizzlies cannot offer you did him. say that you said that on the monday episode your yeah. tuesday episode excuse and, me you sure did. and that's kind of where that's it's it's the truth uh dylan brooks <coughs> dylan brooks basically has said things like 
three and deep. He first threw that out there to me, I think, in March. I think we were mm. in Atlanta. I mentioned that already. You did, we were yes, in Atlanta. Sir. And and he didn't seem thrilled about it. I didn't try to make too much of it because there was so much else going on with the team. Right. I personally wasn't about to throw out there this whole, oh, well, by the way, Dylan Brooks also isn't happy that he's a 3 and D guy right now. But And, and, and quite frankly, he was working through it. I, I want to emphasize I don't think this guy is, is a – is not a team type player because it comes off as, Oh, he wants to be that guy. But right. in reality, I feel like just from the conversations I had with him, it's more of, he wants to be playing to his strengths. Hmm. He, from what I gathered, he was saying, Hey, look, they want me to be this guy who plays defense and just sit, sits around, takes spot up three pointers. He said, I got way more to my game than that. People probably were thinking, Oh, you're not better than that. Cause you're struggling in that role. Where he right. probably was saying is, if you look, again, you've been covering Dylan since he first broke into the league. Dylan's strength has always been in the mid-range, dribbling the ball, getting to his spots. And again, similar to Zaire Williams. Similar to Zaire Williams from that way. And he's not the most efficient guy still, even no. in those areas. But he's better in those areas than yes. he is at the three-point line. Uh, we can all agree on that. Absolutely. So I think it's, it's basically the perspective of, why are you? Why do you want me to shoot spot up three pointers when uh, that's not the strength of my game? And again, it's Desire Williams School that we've kind of just touched on all season long as it alludes to him, uh, him being a strong mid range guy. And the Grizzlies saying, "Hey, but we want you to be the three who shoots uh, a lot of three pointers." Well, Dylan Brooks has more on his resume than Desire Williams, so he can straight up say, "Like, hey." I got more to my game that even though people react how they did. And then there was another part of that, too, uh, that I touched on. Uh, Dylan Brooks felt like more plays should have been drawn up for him. Uh, Dylan Brooks got to the point, as we said, he was a spot-up shooter. In that playoff series, you know, we saw Desmond Bain, Luke Kennard, uh, John Morant. Uh, all those guys would get things drawn up for them. But rarely ever was it Dylan Brooks. Dylan Brooks basically was the guy who was told to, you know, be in the corner, uh, set screens, which was new, but they had him operating more as a screen setter and basically, mm -hmm. you know, play off of those guys, play make a little bit more. Uh, he 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 tried, you he definitely was setting screens more, he definitely had uh good moments of plate making in that series against the Lakers. But overall, uh, it, it was just a it was a situation that that had reached its climax, you know. Uh, Dylan Brooks operates better with the ball in his hands and on a team that has John Morant who likes the ball in his hands, Desmond Bain who can operate without it, but he's very, he's, he's really good with it in his hands. And then Jaron Jackson Jr. Who is best with the ball in his hands on a team like that. It's just not enough of the ball to go around uh, to get Dylan Brooks, those touches that he likes. And that's why he can't be back in Memphis. It gives off Rudy Gay vibes at this point. And I say this as somebody that loved Rudy Gay. Uh, the, the idea of, Dylan Brooks wanting to yeah, be that's a, a great that's a great player one. that he can't be in the current state of play. Like Rudy Gay and Zach Randolph, and people will disagree with me that have been following the team for a long time. Rudy Gay and Zach Randolph couldn't exist together, at least not being the best versions of one another. There's a yeah. reason why Super Zebo went off in that playoff <laughs> series, right? Because yeah. somebody wasn't there. And I think that that's an important piece of context in Grizzlies history to remember. Dylan Brooks has been asked. I think we talked a little bit about this. Yeah, on you the did. Show. Great point. He's been asked to do so much from. He started over 300 games as a member of the Memphis Grizzlies. Imagine being Dylan Brooks. 
his confidence has brought him to this place. He's not an elite athlete. He has a lot of similarities to Zebo in terms of the way that he has come up. Uh, non-traditional player, the tenacity, the energy. He's got a lot in common with those grit and grind guys that everybody loves to talk about. The difference is Tony Allen didn't shoot as much as, <laughs> as Dylan Brooks does. And Dylan sees himself as something that he was when he came into the league from the very first moment. He was a member of the Memphis Grizzlies. He yeah. was asked to be exactly what you just outlined. And now they don't need him to do that anymore. He doesn't want to change his role, at least not in Memphis. If he gets traded in a sign and trade, which we'll talk more about that another show, but that's more difficult now. If that does still happen, which I wrote about over at Bluff City Media, you know, the Portland Trailblazers make a heck of a lot of sense, especially if they tank a little bit. The Toronto Raptors make a heck of a lot of sense, especially if they tank a little bit. Yeah. His confidence, and we talked about this with the Jonas Valanciunas comparison, he was the training wheels. He was the one that put them in a position to feel good about themselves, to show some swagger, to be confident. It got out of control for reasons that include Dylan Brooks, but are not limited to Dylan Brooks. Mm -hmm. And now they are trying to go away from that. And my biggest thing coming out of this, I and I think we're on the same page, it's time for it to end. I have been following this team too long to say that Dylan Brooks was bad for the Memphis Grizzlies because that is not true. Not if true. You were only here the last two years and you jumped on when Ja got drafted. Maybe that's how you feel. But for those of us like DeMichael that are from the city or from people like me that have been covering this team for a decade, Dylan Brooks was there when they were in the – I can't say the word I really want to say, but when they were in the poop. <laughs> yeah. He was there. <laughs> and he has helped them get to this place – that doesn't change the fact that it's time to say goodbye, but it does mean that we shouldn't have so much vitriol like I've seen on Twitter and elsewhere today. Yeah, very, very, very straight to the point there. Uh, at the end of the day, he is a culture shifter. Uh, that's what he could. That's why you, you've you seen the rumors of, of teams like the Houston Rockets being interested in him. He'd be great because in Houston. He's that type of guy, right, Joe? He, what he did for the Grizzlies. You talk about this trash talk, this this confidence, this swagger that this team plays. Sure, it's a lot of it's traced back to John Moran, but there's a big chunk of it with Dylan Brooks. And this team, the confidence, I mean, you see the confidence in the way he plays and in what he says. I mean, he's challenging LeBron James, Steph Curry, the list goes on. Uh, he's that type of guy. So he is a culture shifter. He's done his he's done his due in Memphis. But, you know, as things go pretty much in life, uh, there comes a time where we tend to outgrow things that we care about. And in the case of the Grizzlies, sure, you appreciate the six years that he's put in, but he is not a, a great fit for what they want to do going forward. Dylan Brooks is what so many Grizzlies fans think Jay Crowder was. And I think that's the best way to put it. Everybody talks about this veteran presence, this experience, all those sorts of things. They didn't need Jay Crowder because they had Dylan Brooks. Go back and watch those games in the bubble. Watch John Morant look at Dylan Brooks, past Dylan Brooks. They already had that guy. And I will choose to move forward. And again, we'll see how it ends. Sign and trade, hopefully still. Fingers crossed because that's the best use of Dylan. But even if he just walks, his time in Memphis was a good one, even though it's ending pretty poorly. We'll talk about injury updates, which we said we were going to do on this episode of Lockdown Grizzlies. Uh, coming up next here, we're going to lead off with some ones that are a little more long-term, potentially. Steven Adams, Brandon Clark, those sorts of names. We'll lean on our wonderful beat writer uh, from the Commercial Appeal to Michael Cole next on Lockdown Grizzlies. But first, this episode of Lockdown Grizzlies is brought to you by BetterHelp. 
spending time on yourself in a given week can be challenging. You have so many different things going on, different uh, family matters, different issues, different obligations. It can be difficult to find time for yourself, but we can feel stretched thin. We can feel like we're burned out and therapy can be a great place for you to find the tools to get that balance in your life. If you're thinking of starting therapy, you should give BetterHelp a try. It is entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You fill out a brief questionnaire, you get matched with a licensed therapist, or you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash LockedOnNBA. We will talk injury updates for Steven Adams and Brandon Clark next here on Locked On Grizzlies. Welcome back to Locked On Grizzlies. I am one of your hosts, Joe Mullinax, now fully calmed down after my Dylan Brooks outburst. I apologize again for that. Some of you, I think some of you sickos are everydayers, as we like to call them. I think some of you like to see me get a little fired up. Um, joined by DeMichael Cole, the commercial appeal there in Memphis, Tennessee. He is the Grizzlies beat writer for that publication. I am a Grizzlies columnist for Bluff City Media, and I also write for SB Nation. I've been following the Grizzlies for a decade. DeMichael and I have you covered, and we hope you'll continue to stick with us as the offseason grinds forth here on Locked On Grizzlies. DeMichael, people have been asking about injury updates. A lot of it came out of the media availabilities. So much of our shows this week are connected to that end-of-season media from this past Sunday. What are some things you can tell our listeners? Let's start with the big Kiwi, because he's the one that, you know, Brandon Clark's important. I feel like a lot of folks – we're frustrated by what happened with Adams. It seemed like he was going to come back and then he didn't. And, you know, with Anthony Davis dominating the way that he did in that series, it would have been nice to have the the big Kiwi there, uh, Stephen Adams, yep. New Zealand, helping out on the floor. Yeah, it won't bury the lead here with Stephen Adams. I think there's still some concern there. And, and when I say concern, mild concern, uh, because at the end of the day, right now, the Grizzlies are are not considering surgery. I think that's the most important thing to 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 take from this, uh, and I'll I'll go back to that later on to why I think that's important. So non-surgical uh, procedure here, but still, as of today, there is still no firm timeline on when Stephen Adams could get back. To the point where uh, Zach Kleiman, the Grizzlies general manager, president of basketball operations, basically said that the Grizzlies uh, are expecting Steven Adams to be back at the beginning of next season. Mm-hmm. Not in, not in, not in the middle of June, not for, you know, preseason camp or anything like that. Beginning of next season is the hope. And that is the hope. Uh, that is a target. Uh, that is not a firm deadline that they're not putting on this. They're not putting one on this. Uh, right. and, and, and kind of going more to that. What they've done lately is they're still talking to a bunch of different doctors, their opinions, People have been asking me, what is really going on with his knee? You see him walking around and finding all that. He doesn't have much problem doing those things. The problem is, uh, from what I've heard, they're swelling. And when he does those ramp-up workouts and things like that, uh, it swells up. And, you know, once that that happens, uh, there is the potential for very long-term damage. Uh, And someone asked me not too long ago about – well, since we still don't have an update you know, up to this point, is there something career-threatening here? And again, mm. I would say that that is not the case right now simply because the Grizzlies are operating from a non-surgical perspective. If he has to get surgery at some point and you're still delaying 
the potential return. Think Alonzo Ball, who is right. on his what second or third surgery at this point on his knee. Once you get to that point, now it's like, oh, I don't know if you'll ever play basketball again. But Stephen mm-hmm. Adams, all signs point to uh, right now that there's going to be healing, you know, without surgery. And that makes that Xavier Tillman decision all the more easy, right? Maybe yeah. the Grizzlies extend him beyond the team option. That's it's a one point nine million dollar team option. That that. I mean, even before that medical update, I think Tillman has proven he's worthy of $1.9 million. Easy. Uh, but now the question is, do you extend him beyond that? That'll be an interesting storyline that we can talk about on another episode of Locked on Grizzlies. Uh, somebody who a little bit more positivity coming out of media availability was Brandon Clark. I was pleasantly surprised to hear uh, the Brandon Clark update. And Clark is somebody that obviously they're not going to rush back. Like Achilles tear, oh, especially for some of the yeah. skill set of Brandon Clark, you come back too early from that, that's a guy that'll never play basketball again. Um, but it sounded relatively positive, like Clark is ahead of schedule. Yeah, and that's 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 the words. If anything, ahead of schedule. That's exactly what Zach Kleinman said. And you think about his style of play. You know, this is a guy, he's a big-time leaper. Uh, you talk about how he gets to that Peyton and floater shot. You talk about a mm-hmm. rim runner who sets screens, gets downhill. He puts pressure on help defenders because either you're going to come help him on him as he's about to be that lob threat, or you're going to stay attached to that corner guy. So it's little things like that that Brandon Clark does that really helps this team. But you need that Achilles to be healed. So, again, not expecting him back at the beginning of the season or relatively early in the season period. Uh, this is going to be a process that you mentioned. Uh, the Grizzlies are very, very clear about their intentions on taking their time uh, with these guys and with these injuries. So in Brandon Clark's case, yes, ahead of schedule so far. Uh, he's I saw him uh, not too long ago. He was walking with both shoes on, which is something we haven't seen uh, much Amazing. of. You know, he pretty much has been in the boot, and I'm sure he's still going to be wearing the boot for the most part. But right. I saw him walking with two shoes on, and so he's 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 doing better. And he's he's done the little things, you know, shooting free throws and, and doing little, I think, some treadmill things I saw him doing one time. Uh, there is some progress there, uh, and I think you can you can basically say, hey, uh, latter part of the season, uh, there's a chance that we can see Brandon Clark, and I think that's big because you don't need him early in the regular season. I think you can still be a 50 plus win team, but getting Brandon Clark back, you're probably going to need him in the postseason. We've seen in the past that Timberwolves series in the first round, he's capable of winning a series for you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do the dreaded midseason acquisition line. I, I envision Brandon Clark being somebody there it is. about the trade deadline of 2024. <laughs> the, the Grizzlies. The Danny Green. The Danny yeah, Green. He's going to be the Danny Green. He's going to be the one that we don't need to make a major trade because Brandon Clark's going to be our midseason acquisition. Although with Brandon Clark, there's a better chance of it actually being true. Brandon <laughs> Clark is not as old as Danny Green. Uh, Brandon yeah. Clark obviously is ahead of schedule. But again, they're going to be very cautious with that injury, especially because of his skill set. Brandon Clark without a fully healthy and functioning Achilles is not as good of a basketball player. You can say that about anybody, but you think about, I'll just use Jamal Crawford off the top of my head. Like obviously he had some quickness to his game, but that dude just got buckets. He could find ways to get space. He wasn't an above the rim player. We've talked a lot about Zach Randolph on this episode. Same kind of concept. Brandon Clark is that. So if he doesn't have that capacity to leap, get off the ground quickly, multiple times, he's going to be in trouble. So it was good to get that positive update from Clark, and hopefully season goes along. You know, we probably were off season, excuse me. We probably won't hear from Clark major trade or signing, those sorts of things. 
Uh, maybe that'll be our next chance in a couple of months for another update. When we come back here on Locked On Grizzlies, we are going to be talking about other injury concerns, one that's kind of flown under the radar because he played a lot, but that doesn't make him any less injured. And we'll also talk about John Morant's hand and some other bumps and bruises perhaps that are uh, not as focused on as what happened with Adams and Clark as the season concluded. You're listening and watching to Locked On Grizzlies. Stay with us. Welcome back to Lockdown Grizzlies. I am your co-host, Joe Molinax of Bluff City Media, Grizzlies columnist there as well as SB Nation. Follow me on Twitter at Joe Molinax. You can follow DeMichael Cole, my wonderful co-host at DeMichael C, Grizzlies beat writer for the commercial appeal there in Memphis. He has great pieces on all the Dylan Brooks stuff going on. Continue to follow his tremendous work as the offseason grinds along and follow us over at Bluff City Media as well. Uh, DeMichael, some other injury tidbits from the final yeah. – media availability for the 2022-2023 Memphis Grizzlies. Let's start with Desmond Bain here because that's the that's one the that one. I alluded to earlier in the show that we kind of forget about because he played a lot, but he had a pretty substantial injury. And as he mentioned on the media availability, it's not like it's 100% by any stretch. Yeah, and that's been the case for a while. Desmond Bain hasn't been 100% probably since October, early November. Uh, that stretch, uh, and he averaged 21 points over four and a half boards, four and a half assists a game. So pretty good. good season on his part. I, I, hey Joe, if it's me, I'd use that in my uh, contract details. Like, Ooh. hey, look, look, man, I, I if I'm averaging 21 on a bum foot, like imagine what a healthy me could do. But that's neither mm-hmm. here nor there. But at the end of the day, there is some mild concern, very mild in his case, not as much as Stephen Adams, because right now the Grizzlies and Desmond Bain are still working. Uh, through the process of determining if he needs a surgery uh, on on his toe uh, at this point. So it's something that will be figured out uh, relatively soon here. And once we know more on that, that's when you'll have more on the potential timeline. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not something at this point I'm expecting to carry over into the regular season, but we could have a a Jaren situation similar here where he misses probably a few games to start the season. I don't think that will be the case. But uh, if if they uh, act swiftly here, but right. it's something they have to figure out. You know, does he need surgery uh, or or not? And right now, all all signs are saying, hey, they're still working through that uh, on his toe injury. Once that's decided, that'll kind of determine the direction for Desmond Bain. But I think that's pretty big because uh, it's it is something that, uh, depending on the option here and depending on when, it could potentially carry over possibly into early next season. I don't think it will uh, by any stretch, but you have to uh, keep open that possibility. Well, he's about to sign a Jordan Poole, Tyler Hero-esque. You yeah. know, those two made $128, $130 million respectfully. No disrespect to those guys. Bain's probably going to make a little more than that. Uh, you know, Four-year, $140 million extension. I think that's a realistic number. And yeah. you want to make sure that guy's ready to go. Because again, as we've talked about and we'll continue to talk about, we are in a place now where you've got three dudes that are all making nine figure deals over the life of a contract. Yeah. It's time to be smart. The championship the window is here. It's yeah. time to win. There is no more data accumulation. There is no more rebuilding. That's done. Yeah. You know, all and those young maybe, guys. Yeah. Maybe it should have been done last year, but you know, that's neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> it's definitely done now and they have to make those moves before that Bain contract really kicks in. And we yeah. find out if Robert Perra, the owner of the Grizzlies really is interested in uh, paying that luxury tax. Uh, we'll get, we'll have that answer sooner rather than later. 
Um, some other injury updates to Michael. Anything else coming out of media day that kind of uh, yeah. jumped out at you? Yeah, a, a few of them, actually. And it's pretty much now we're centered around the guys who pretty much played. But uh, just wanted to point these out because, again, mm -hmm. these, these aren't excuses by any stretch of the imagination. It's just more the fact to point out that, hey, the Grizzlies had guys playing through uh, certain injuries. Like last last season, for example, we didn't learn that uh, Dylan Brooks was playing through a bad hamstring until, what was that, March? I think he revealed that in March mm -hmm. of this year that he was playing in the postseason last season with a bad hamstring. But this year we kind of got more – you know, detail on on what these guys were playing to. Of course, everyone knows about the job. Uh, with Luke Kennard, I think it's it's fair to point out now that, uh, I mean, we pretty much already knew that the shoulder injury wasn't serious, but the tidbit that I gained from him that stands out is if there was a game seven, Luke Kennard wasn't going to play. He didn't straight up say that, but he said, hey, I would have gave it everything, tried my best, but even he knew it, it was unlikely. So it's right. just looking back on it, you know, I, I think I was I was telling Joe, and, and Joe sent me a text message. Uh, he was like, I, "I hope you're wrong." And you weren't. You're, you're right, unfortunately. Not, 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 uh, I know. I, I didn't want to. <laughs> not from that perspective, but it's more of the fact that I, I wanted to use your example as I feel like the, that was the fan base. Everyone was very hopeful. Taylor Jenkins was hopeful. I sat down at the Ritz Carlton Hotel with Taylor Jenkins, and he was very hopeful that. Uh, Luke Kennard would be able to play. You know, I even threw the possibility. I said, hey, if Luke doesn't play, uh, it, what about these guys and all that? And he says, well, uh, you know, basically, if Luke doesn't play, he throws mm -hmm. that out there first. Because he, they wanted him to play. But, again, it was a lot of pain. Uh, you have to emphasize it was the shooting shoulder. And that was just too much. Uh, so even if it was a game seven, I know some people – kind of uh, keep themselves up at night, those super fans. Say, oh, if we got it to game seven, we would have got Luke back. Eh, you wouldn't have. So, uh, A little more peace at that. A little yeah, more peace yeah, yeah. That. Have some peace in knowing that part of it. Uh, then there's the the other guys a little bit more under the radar. We talked about uh, Ja there. We talked about Dez. The big man, we're also dealing with some little nicks and bruises there. Uh, Jaron Jackson, you may have noticed it at some point. He had the tape around his right hand. Uh, mm -hmm. I know some people were pointing out the fact that, oh, he had 31 points in game one. What happened after that? Uh, this is, I mean, no excuse in any stretch of the imagination here on my part. At the end of the day, Jaron Jackson Jr. has to play much better. And he's very effective with his left hand, by the way, in the post. So, again, he still could have been much more productive, I think. But I'm not in this body. You're not in this body. We're not no. in this body. So uh, he was dealing with a, a lot of pain, a lot of pain in his uh, right hand. I think the most notable moment just to the naked eye was when Anthony Davis threw down the dunk and Jaron Jackson Jr. fell down, fell on that hand, looked like he was wrenching in pain there. Uh, that wasn't something that just happened on that play. That was right. a, a risk that had been bothering him. Uh, I had seen him after several practices in, in California, you know, icing the wrist and that whole thing. And then Xavier Tillman. Uh, speaking of toes, uh, so he'd actually been – battling a toe injury for a while and and, mm -hmm. and i think it adds to your case here joe you're talking about why you want to sign this guy resign uh he's a tough dude i saw x pretty much every time after we talked in the locker room uh, i don't want to put a timetable on it, but i'll say at least the last week but i mean it, it, based on what he said at media uh at the exit interviews it was longer than that but uh i i asked him about it at the exit interviews because 
you'd always see him and he just he'd walk off real gingerly after the games. And to the naked eye, you probably think, oh, yeah, he just played 38 minutes. Tired, dude. Well, he was in some pain. And right. the fact that he responded that way, rebounded the basketball and all that. And I think that's why Desmond Bain uh, uh, and Zach Kleiman and those type of people went out their way just to talk about what X brought to the table. He was very impressive. And again, if we're talking $1.9 million, I think that's a no-brainer. The question is what the that extension might look like. And yeah. we'll talk more about that on a future episode of Locked On Grizzlies. So, so much wonderful information on injuries. It does feel better knowing that Luke Kennard wouldn't have played in game seven, as weird as that <laughs> sounds. Um, you know, you don't have to what might have been that yeah. situation. Yeah. They were pretty beat up, but everybody's beat up, right? Folks will point out that exactly. LeBron and AD are not healthy. Uh, there's lots of different bumps and bruises after playing through an NBA season. So uh, not an excuse. The Grizzlies have to get better. And it sounds like, you know, starting with the Dylan Brooks situation, they're making steps and processes to try to do that, at least to the best of their ability through their perspective. So DeMichael has tons of information like that continue to come out, not just here on Lockdown Grizzlies, of course, but also with the commercial appeal there in Memphis. Make sure you're subscribing, following along with that wonderful publication and follow DeMichael's work on Twitter, as well as at the commercial appeal. Thank you so much for making Lockdown Grizzlies your first listen today. Thank you to our everydayers, whether it's on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast, as proud members of the Lockdown Podcast Network that make us come into your ears or come into your eyes or your mouth, you know, wherever we're going, however we're helping you out. Um, we are entering into your cerebellum and through your limbic system, and we are proud members of your everyday NBA content consumption. So thank you so much for that. We appreciate it here to Michael and I on Locked On Grizzlies. On our next episode of Locked On Grizzlies, we will take a closer look at some of what Kleiman, the GM of the Grizzlies, Zach Kleiman, Taylor Jenkins, some more takeaways, more maybe specific to scheme that we'll take a look at uh, and discuss. And I think that there's a lot that we can dive in there uh, with to Michael. Yeah, uh, there, there's so much uh, to talk about there. And uh, Taylor Jenkins, uh, I, I don't want to get into it too much. We know what the Grizzlies' identity is, mm-hmm. and he has done a good job of forming an identity for this team, which I think is a big part of the, those things as a head coach. But there's a little bit more to it because, sure. uh, as we know, uh, each season, that identity uh, has to get tweaked a little bit, and you have to add more on to it, and that's kind of where we are with Taylor Jenkins right now. Absolutely. No, I I think that you're exactly right. And that's one of the things, you know, with the roster, coaching philosophy also needs to tweak. And we'll talk about that on our Thursday edition of Lockdown Grizzlies. So for DeMichael Cole, I am Joe Molinax. Again, thank you so much. Wherever you're checking us out on YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts, we appreciate you. We will see you next time. Until then, stay locked in. This is Lockdown Grizzlies.